0: Book 2 chapter 9 of Bradford's History of the Plymouth Settlement 1608 to 1650 this librivox recording is in the public domain Bradford's History of the Plymouth Settlement 1608 to 1650 by William Bradford rendered into modern English by Harold Paget Book 2 chapter 9 after mr allerton's arrival in england he informed the adventurers of his commission to make the purchase of the trade of the colony for six years and upon delivery of the bonds for the yearly payments it was finally concluded and a deed engrossed in parchment was delivered to him under their hands and seals confirming it he also arranged with some special friends among them as instructed to participate in the purchase and to supply them with money at better rates etc concerning this i insert here a letter from mr shirley to the governor throwing light on what followed james shirley in england to governor bradford at new plymouth sir i have received yours of may twenty sixth through mr gibbs and mr gough with the barrel of otter skins for which i got a bill of store and sold them for seventy eight pounds twelve shillings zero pence sterling and mr allerton has received the money as will appear by the account it is true as you write that your obligations are large not only for the purchase but for the working stock you will require which you cannot raise at six or eight per cent as here but must pay thirty forty and even fifty per cent were not your profits considerable and god's blessing on your honest endeavours more than ordinary you could not long be masters of your affairs and this it seems your honest and able agent mr allerton has seriously considered he tells me that you are willing to permit me and some few others to join with you as partners in the purchase i thank you and all the rest and gladly accept and though absent shall willingly be at such expense as you and the rest think proper this year i am prepared to forego the fifty pounds due and the two years increase for the venture which comes in all to eighty pounds without making any condition for the profit you with all the rest to bear the risk outward and homeward i have persuaded mr andrews and mr beauchamp to do the same so that you will not have to bear the high rate of the previous two years we leave it freely to yourselves to allow us what you please and according as god shall bless us Whatever course I take, Mr. Beauchamp is willing to do the same, and though he may have seemed rather harsh before, you will find he is now new moulded i also see by your letter that you desire me to be your agent here i have ever found you such faithful honest and upright men that i have resolved to do you all the good that lies in my power so if you please to select so inadequate a man to perform your business i promise to do the best i can with the ability the lord has given me and wherein i fail blame yourselves that you did not make a better choice as i am not in good health and we are all mortal i have advised mr allerton to associate mr beauchamp with me as your deputy which is both necessary and advisable for you and will cost you no more for it is not the salary that induces me to undertake your business thus commending you and yours and all god's people to the guidance and protection of the almighty i ever rest your faithful loving friend james shirley london november seventeenth sixteen twenty eight with this letter he sent a draft of power of attorney to be sealed and returned to them authorizing them to act as their agents as some trouble arose about it afterwards i will insert it to all to whom these presents shall come greeting know ye that we william bradford governor of new plymouth in new england in america isaac allerton miles standish william brewster and edward winslow of new plymouth aforesaid merchants do by these presents for us and in our names make substitute and appoint james shirley goldsmith and john beauchamp salter citizens of london our true and lawful agents factors substitutes and assigns as well to take and receive all such goods wares merchandise whatsoever as to our said substitutes or either of them or to the city of london or other place of the realm of england shall be sent, transported, or come from us or any of us, as also to vend, sell, barter, or exchange the said goods, wares, and merchandise, so from time to time to be sent to such person or persons upon credit, or otherwise in such manner as to our said agents and factors jointly, or to either of them severally, shall seem proper.' And further we make and ordain our said substitutes and assigns jointly and severally for us, and to our uses and accounts, to buy and consign for us and to us to New England aforesaid, such goods and merchandise to be provided here, and to be returned hence as by our said assigns, or either of them shall be thought fit and to recover receive or demand for us and in our names all such debts and sums of money as now are or hereafter shall be due incident accruing or belonging to us or any of us by any ways or means and to acquit discharge or compound for any debt or sum of money which now or hereafter shall be due or owing by any person or persons to us or any of us and generally for us and in our names to do perform and execute every act and thing which to our said assigns or either of them shall seem proper to do as fully and effectually to all intents and purposes as if we or any of us were in person present and whatsoever our said agents and factors jointly or severally shall do or cause to be done in or about the premises we will and do and each of us does ratify allow and confirm by these presents in witness whereof we have hereunto put our hands and seals dated november eighteenth sixteen twenty eight this was accordingly confirmed by the above named and four more of the principal members under their hands and seals and delivered to them mr allerton had formerly received authority under their hands and seals for transacting their business raising money etc and this deed he still retained while he was employed on these affairs their complete trust in him and their other friends made them remiss in cancelling such previous deeds which was a disadvantage to them later as will appear in due course mr allerton having settled everything satisfactorily returned to the colony in the early spring of the year with their supplies for trading the fishermen with whom he came being accustomed to sail in the winter and get here betimes he brought a fair stock of goods for the settlement not subject to such high interest and an account of the beaver sold and of the money expended for goods and the payment of other debts he had discharged all engagements except to mr shirley mr beauchamp and mr andrews and from them he also brought an account which amounted to not above four hundred pounds for which he had given bonds he had also made the first payment for the purchase due this year viz two hundred pounds and brought them the bond for it duly cancelled so they had now no foreign debts except four hundred pounds odd and the balance of the yearly purchase money They had some other debts over here, but they were without interest, and they were in a position to discharge them when they were due. To this past the Lord had brought things for them mr allerton also brought them notice that their friends referred to above with some others who wished to join them in the trading and in the purchase intended that a reasonable number of the congregation at leyden should be sent over next year without fail if the lord pleased to bless their journey he also brought them a patent for kennebec but it was so inadequate that they were obliged to endeavour to renew and enlarge it the next year and also that which they had at home at great expense as will appear hitherto mr allerton had done them good and faithful service would that he had so continued or that they had now ceased employing him any longer in england but of this more afterwards having procured a patent for kennebec they erected a house in the most convenient place for trade up the river and stocked it with goods for that purpose both for winter and summer not only with corn but with such other commodities as the fishermen had traded to them such as coats shirts rugs blankets biscuits peas prunes etc what they could not procure from england they bought from the fishing ships and so carried on their business as well as they could this year the dutch visited them again with kind letters from the colony they sent a variety of goods such as sugar linen holland finer and coarser stuffs etc their secretary de razier came with them in their bark to manomet to the house the settlers had established there he brought attendants and his coming was heralded by trumpets he requested them to send a boat to take him on to new plymouth as he could not travel so far over land so they sent a boat to manoen and brought him to the plantation with most of his people after some few days entertainment he returned to his bark, and some of the leading settlers went with him and bought some of his goods after this beginning they often sent over to them and had intercourse for many years Amongst other commodities they sold the Dutch a good deal of tobacco in exchange for linen, stuffs, etc., and tobacco was profitably traded with them by the new Plymouth colony till the Virginians learned of the Dutch settlement. But what became most profitable in time was the beginning they then made in the trade for wampum. They bought fifty pounds worth of it from the Dutch, who told them how much they sold of it at Fort Orange, and assured them that they would find it so at Kennebec at first they could not sell it in fact it was two years before they cleared this small quantity afterwards when the indians further inland began to know of it for many years they could scarcely get enough for them this with their other sources of supply reduced their trade with the fishermen and in the main also with the scattered settlers it was strange to see the great change it wrought in a few years among the indians themselves the natives of these parts and in massachusetts hitherto had none or very little of this wampum except the sachems and some of the chiefs who wore a little of it for ornament it was however largely made and used by the narragansetts and pequots who grew rich and powerful while the indians here were poor and beggarly and had no use for it nor did the english of new plymouth or any of the other settlements until told of it by the dutch so much as know what it was much less that it was a commodity of such value but after it grew to be valuable here the local indians took to it too and learned how to make it gathering the shells from the shores it has remained a current commodity now for about twenty years and it may prove a drug in time in the meantime it makes the tribes hereabouts rich and powerful and proud and provides them with arms and powder and shot through the depravity of some unworthy persons both english dutch and french and likely to be the ruin of many hitherto the indians round here had no guns or other arms but their bows and arrows nor for many years after they scarcely dared handle guns they were so afraid of them and the very sight of one though out of kilter was a terror to them but the indians to the east who had dealings with the french got guns from them and in time our english fishermen with equal covetousness followed their example but upon complaint it pleased the king's majesty to prohibit it by a strict proclamation commanding that no sort of arms or munitions should be traded to the indians by his subjects some three or four years before this there came over one captain wollaston a man of fine qualities with three or four others of some distinction who brought with them a great many servants with provisions and other necessaries to found a settlement they pitched upon a place within massachusetts which they called after their captain mount wollaston among them was one mr morton who it seems had some small share with them in the enterprise either on his own account or as an agent but he was little respected amongst them and even slighted by the servants. Having remained there some time, and not finding things answer their expectations, Captain Wollaston took the majority of the servants to Virginia, where he hired out their services profitably to other employers. So he wrote up to Mr. Radsell, one of the chief partners who was acting as their merchant, to bring another party of them to Virginia for the same purpose with the consent of Radsell he appointed one fitcher as his deputy to govern the remnant of the colony till one of them should return but morton in the other's absence having more craft than honesty he had been a kind of petty fogger of furnival's inn watched his opportunity when rations were scarce with them got some drink and other junkets and made them a feast and after they were merry began to tell them he would give them good counsel "'You see,' says he, "'that many of your comrades have been taken to Virginia, and if you stay till this Radsell returns you too will be carried off, and sold as slaves with the rest. So I would advise you to oust this Lieutenant Fitcher, and I, having a share in this settlement, will take you as partners, and you will be free from service, and we will trade, plant, and live together as equals, and support and protect one another, and so on.' This advice was easily received, so they drove out Lieutenant Fitcher and would not allow him to come amongst them, forcing him to get food and other relief from his neighbors till he could get passage to England. They then fell to utter licentiousness, and led a dissolute and profane life morton became lord of misrule and maintained as it were a school of atheism as soon as they acquired some means by trading with the indians they spent it in drinking wine and strong drinks to great excess as some reported ten pounds worth in a morning They set up a maypole drinking and dancing about it for several days at a time inviting the indian women for their consorts dancing and frisking together like so many fairies or furies rather to say nothing of worse practices it was as if they had revived the celebrated feasts of the roman goddess flora or the beastly practices of the mad bacchanalians morton to show his poetry composed sundry verses and rhymes some tending to lasciviousness and others to the detraction and scandal of some persons affixing them to his idol or idol maypole they changed the name of the place and instead of calling it mount wollaston they called it merry mount as if this jollity would last forever but it did not continue long for shortly after morton was sent back to england as will appear In the meantime that worthy gentleman, Mr. John Endicott, arrived from England bringing over a patent under the broad seal for the government of Massachusetts. Visiting this neighborhood he had the maypole cut down and reprimanded them for their profaneness, admonishing them to improve their way of living. In consequence others changed the name of their place again and called it Mount Dagon in order to maintain this riotous prodigality and excess morton hearing what profit the french and the fishermen had made by trading guns powder and shot to the indians began to practice it hereabouts teaching them how to use them having instructed them he employed some of them to hunt and foul for him until they became far more able than the english owing to their swiftness on foot and nimbleness of body being quick-sighted and knowing the haunts of all sorts of game with the result that when they saw what execution a gun would do and the advantage of it they were mad for them and would pay any price for them thinking their bows and arrows but baubles in comparison and here i must bewail the mischief that this wicked man began in this district and which continued by men that should know better has now become prevalent notwithstanding the laws to the contrary the result is that the indians are stocked with all kinds of arms fowling-pieces muskets pistols c they even have moulds to make shots of all sorts musket bullets pistol bullets swan and geese shot and smaller sorts it is well known that they often have powder and shot when the english lack it and cannot get it it having been bought up and sold to those who trade it to the indians at a shilling per pound for they will buy it at any price this goes on while their neighbours are being killed by the indians every day or are only living at their mercy they have even been told how gunpowder is made and all the materials that are in it and that they are to be had in their own land and i am confident that if they could only get saltpetre they would make gunpowder itself oh the horror of this villainy how many dutch and english have lately been killed by indians thus furnished and no remedy is provided nay the evil has increased the blood of their brothers has been sold for profit and in what danger all these colonies are is too well known Oh, that princes and parliaments would take some timely steps to prevent this mischief and to suppress it, by exemplary punishment of some of those gain-thirsty murderers, for they deserve no better title, before their colonies in these parts are wiped out by the barbarous savages, armed with their own weapons by these traitors to their country. But I have forgotten myself, and have been too long on this digression, now to return." morton having taught them the use of guns sold them all he could spare and he and his associates determined to send for large supplies from england having already sent for over a score by some of the ships this being known several members of the scattered settlements hereabouts agreed to solicit the settlers at new plymouth who then outnumbered them all to join with them to prevent the further growth of this mischief and to suppress morton and his associates Those who joined in this action, and afterwards contributed to the expense of sending him to England, were from Piscataqua, Nomkeag, Winnisimit, Wissagasgusit, Nantasket, and other places where the English had settled. The new Plymouth colonists thus addressed by their messengers and letters, and weighing their reasons and the common danger, were willing to help, though they themselves had least cause for fear so to be short they first decided to write to morton jointly in a friendly and neighborly way requesting him to desist and sent a messenger with the letter to bring his answer but he was so overbearing that he scorned all advice he asked what it had to do with them he would trade guns to the indians in spite of them all with many other scurrilous remarks full of disdain so they sent to him again and bade him be better advised and more temperate in his terms that the country would not bear the injury he was doing it was against their common safety and against the king's proclamation he answered as haughtily as before that the king's proclamation was no law and asking what was the penalty they replied more than he could bear his majesty's displeasure but he persisted and insolently said that the king was dead and his displeasure with him that if they came to molest him let them look to themselves he would be prepared for them so they saw there was no way but to take him by force they resolved to proceed and unanimously requested the governor of new plymouth to send captain standish and sufficient men to seize morton this was accordingly done but he defended himself stiffly closed his doors armed his associates and had dishes of powder and bullets ready on the table and if they had not been overarmed with drink more harm might have been done they summoned him to yield but they got nothing but scoffs from him at length fearing they would wreck the house some of his crew came out intending not to yield but to shoot but they were so drunk that their guns were too heavy for them he himself with a carbine overcharged and almost half filled with powder and shot tried to shoot captain standish but he stepped up to him and put aside his gun and took him no harm was done on either side except that one of his men was so drunk that he ran his nose upon the point of a sword that some one held in front of him on entering the house but all he lost was a little of his hot blood morton they took to new plymouth where he was kept till a ship went from the isle of shoals to england in this he was dispatched to the council of new england with letters giving information of his behaviour entrusted to a representative sent at their common expense to inform their honours more particularly and to prosecute him but morton fooled this man after he had left here and though he went to england nothing was done to him he was not so much as rebuked so far as was heard and he returned the following year some of the worst of the party were dispersed and some of the more decent were permitted to live in the house till he was heard from but i have been too long about so unworthy a person and so bad a cause this year mr allerton brought over a young man as minister to the colony whether upon his own initiative or at the insistence of some friends there i do not know but he was not sent by the orders of the church for they had been so bitten by mr lyford that they wished to know well whom they were inviting beforehand His name was Mr. Rogers, but they discovered that he was crazed in the brain, so they were obliged to go to the expense of sending him back again the next year, besides the cost of bringing him out, which was not small by Mr. Allerton's account, for provisions, clothing, bedding, etc. Mr. Allerton was much blamed for bringing such a man over, for they had expenses enough already.' in previous years mr allerton had brought over some small quantities of goods upon his own account and sold them for his private benefit which was more than any one had hitherto ventured to do but as he had done them good service otherwise and as he sold them among the people of the colony and their wants were thereby supplied it was passed over But this year he brought over a greater quantity, and they were intermixed with the goods of the colony, and all packed together, so that it could not be said which were theirs and which were his, so if any mischance had happened at sea, he could have laid the whole loss on them if he had wished, and it seemed to result that what was most saleable and could be sold promptly, he claimed, was his. He also began to sell to others outside the settlement, which, considering their agreement, they disliked but love thinks no evil nor is suspicious so they took his fair words for excuse and decided to send him to england again this year considering how well he had done formerly and how well he stood with their friends there and particularly as some of their friends from leyden were to be sent for the arrangements for which he could or might assist in It was also thought that, as the patent for Kennebec must be extended, as well as the one here, he would best be able to effect it, having begun it. So they gave him instructions and sent him to England once more. His instructions were to bring over no goods on their account, except fifty pounds worth of hose, shoes, and linen, according to the conditions, besides some trading goods to a certain value, and in no case was he to exceed his instructions or run them into further expense. He was to arrange that their trading goods came over early, and whatever was sent on their account should be packed by itself, and marked with their mark, and no other goods were to be mixed with them. In fact, he requested them to give him such instructions as they thought fit, and he would follow them, to prevent any jealousy or further trouble. So they thought they had provided satisfactorily for everything. End of Book Two, Chapter Nine